Welcome to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. Today, we'll welcome in Jennifer Norman of the Human Beauty Movement. But before we do, I just wanted to have a quick reminder that Summit is now just two months away. Super excited about all the people that are coming together. Uh, I know many people are planning to do watch parties uh, in their local community for a summit. Really excited to see you all in a couple months. So if you haven't signed up, make sure to go to socialenterprise.us and check that out. And it's going to be just a really fantastic time to gather and meet uh, and hang out online with so many other social entrepreneurs. So as I mentioned, our guest today is Jennifer Norman. She is the founder and chief human officer of the Human Beauty Movement, a certified B Corporation on a mission to turn the face of beauty inside out. Jennifer is passionate about diversity, appreciation, humanitarianism, and inspiring others to be their most exceptional through the human beauty movement. Through her new skincare brand, Humanist Beauty, and her podcast, Role Models, she fosters radical inclusivity, beauty positivity, and a mindful journey towards self-love. Additionally, Jennifer is the author and publisher of the award-winning children's picture book series, The Adventures of Super Captain Brave Man which promotes early-stage friendship, kindness, and understanding of individuals presenting physical or neurological differences. Welcome, Jennifer, to the Social Enterprise Alliance podcast. so wonderful to have Jennifer Norman on the podcast today of the human beauty movement. Jennifer, how are you today? Hi, I am doing so well. Thanks so much for having me on. Yes, of course. We're so, so happy to be able to have this conversation with you. Um, so just to dive in, we'd love to hear a little bit about your story and how the human beauty movement came to be. Absolutely. First off, I want to say it is an honor to be a member of the Social Enterprise Alliance. Um, and yes, the human beauty movement was something that I felt was a culmination of my life's work. Um, early on in my career, I had been in the beauty industry for probably about 25 years and then moved on to be at the management level, senior management level at various companies ranging from skincare to cosmetics companies. And along the way, I had become so intrigued with the natural space and the movement towards cleaner products. And then I was also really intrigued by the fact that the way that we had been doing marketing in the past was not necessarily healthy. And to me, it wasn't necessarily what I would consider beautiful because we were really making people feel uncomfortable with themselves or not so good about themselves in order to get them to buy products that they perhaps didn't need or didn't want. And so I really did a lot of soul searching when it came to what I felt was a better way to go to market. So I almost consider myself a reformed marketer, if you will, in the (laughs) beauty space, because I really wanted to put out products that were as healthy as possible in terms of the ingredients, as kind as possible to the environment when I think about the waste management side of things, and then also as healthy as possible when it comes to wellness and really thinking about people's 
well-being from an emotional and from a physical standpoint. So knowing and letting people know that first and foremost, they are beautiful unto themselves and the way that they are right here, right now. And there's really nothing that they need to change about themselves. What we provide them are tools and things that they might like in order to enhance their lives and to make them feel a little bit more joy or a little bit of more mindfulness during the day. So what I wanted to do was start a company that was very much about community and about conversation and about us all coming together as human beings, no matter your gender, no matter your race, no matter your age, no matter your abilities. It was all that we are humans and we are in this together, perfectly imperfect, as it were. So really developing this method of being able to have interactions, whether it be all across social media, we've got everything from Facebook to TikTok to Instagram to Pinterest to, you know, you name it. I even launched my own podcast called Role Models, where we can have these kinds of conversations about self-love and about self-development. And then I also have a product line, which is called Humanist Beauty, which are beauty rituals for enabling this self-love. And so, yeah, just thinking about it in a very different way than had been business as usual before, um, which was pretty much profiting at any cost. And I really wanted to make sure that we were putting people on planet first. So the Human Beauty Movement is a certified B Corporation. We are a women-owned, minority-owned business, as you can tell from looking at me. For those that can't see me, I am an Asian-American who identifies as a woman. And, you know, everything that we're doing is really very carefully thought through um, every step of the process from, you know, every single stakeholder to every single ingredient that we use in our products. Wow. So that's how it began. That's awesome. So cool. Yeah. And what I love about that, too, is just that self-love, like what that could mean, you know, is I think a learning for so many of us. And especially as social enterprise and people that just are in the social impact sector at all. Usually the heart is to care for the other person. You know, we're just, we strive to put others first, which is a beautiful thing. We strive to empower. Um, we are striving for equality. You know, it, it takes a lot of energy to do that. And um, I think one of the things that I've noticed is in terms of burnout, just even that self-love is such a critical piece. Of course, it's beautiful to put yourself in this servant posture, but we have to recharge ourselves. We have to recognize that we have gifts and strengths and talents. And how do we build into ourselves, even just from the physical appearance side, too, so that we can um, be the best versions of ourselves? Yeah, I think that you said it so beautifully because it is a balancing act between serving others and serving yourself. One thing that I had learned probably all too late in my life, but nonetheless, it's a learning is that, you know, you cannot serve from an empty cup. You really have to think of yourself first before being able to go out there because otherwise, if you do that, it does lead to burnout. It does lead to depletion. I see that quite a bit in the impact community because people are just so willing to go out there and serve others before they get rest or before they're eating properly and doing their meditations and things that are going to help nourish and regenerate themselves. And so what I like to tell people is give up the fight. I like to say, don't think of it as a fight because as soon as you do, that's constrictive energy. And what you want to do is 
continue to lean into what you're passionate about and what you love. So following the bliss is really my philosophy. For example, I had this um, very bold statement that I was anti-anti-racist because there was so much infighting about color versus color. But if we stand for being pro-love, it opens many more doors and it leads to far less resistance than battling against the things that you don't want. Let's go and lean into the things that we do want rather than fighting against the things that we don't want. Yeah. Like just all that is, is just so foundational and amazing. That's, that's where your work is uh, beginning just to empower in your work. Have, how have you seen the impact of your movement? Is there like a story that sticks out to you uh, for where you've seen someone's confidence or or whatever, the, that self-love really take a huge leap forward to be able then to extend to others? Yes, you know, we are just starting out. The, the company is only, you know, a couple of years old and we've been really finding our way because, you know, doing things not business as usual. There's not very many templates for it, but, um, luckily we, we are, you know, leaning into communities such as the Social Enterprise Alliance for, you know, helping to be that, um, uh, that place where, you know, a rising tide can lead, you know, can, can lift all boats and can lift all ships. And so the interesting thing is that I have seen such a difference in the way that we've been going forward with our communication. And I've been getting messages back like, you know, thank you because of you, you, you know, I did it. I did it. And, you know, things like, um, uh, I was in a toxic relationship in, you know, a marriage that just wasn't working. And because of you, I was able to find my sense of self and feel free enough to be able to say, you know what, I really need to stand up for myself and, and be in a place where this kind of a relationship isn't, isn't working for me. And so thanks to you, I did it. I found my voice. I found my sense of self. I had, um, another individual who said, you know, thank you so much for raising visibility of people with alopecia or of people with vitiligo, um, because my wife has been battling cancer and has had chemotherapy and all of her hair has fallen out and she's gone through wigs and she's gone through a lot of self-esteem issues. But because of your expression of, of beauty as you are, she now feels more confident to go wigless. Um, she feels, you know, feels that, um, you know, she, she doesn't have to hide her situation or who she is. She feels okay with being the person that she is. And so stories like that, and, and I do believe that what I want to do is extremely high touch. It's very person to person, individual to individual. If I can touch a, a heart a day, you know, that's really kind of what my, my goal is. If I can touch one person every single day, then I will be doing my job as far as making them feel stronger and more empowered to be who they are because that to me is the most beautiful thing. Wow. Yeah, that's so that's so beautiful. It's so powerful to think about what you're doing and like the stories that you're telling through your marketing versus a lot of other pieces of even like the beauty industry that focuses on inadequacy mm -hmm. or here's the standard for what is beautiful or what's acceptable or you know and it just causes this sense of inadequacy and um, hardship all around. And so I think it's just really incredible that you are 
in the beauty space and choosing to tell a new story within that, um, one that is based around wholeness and empowerment. And that's just, that's just really incredible. So I love to hear the impact that you're having because those heart to heart moments are, you know, so huge. And just to hear about the life changes that people are making, um, based off of the work that you're doing and the stories that you're telling is just phenomenal. Thank you. Thank you. I think one of the things that sticks out to me is not only do you have that kind of outward focus of your impact mission, but you were very conscious to look um, from the sourcing angle as well. So, you know, not as it just about the person, but how are we getting good ingredients? What, what kind of made you realize that that was important to look at your brand as this more holistic way to have impact? You know, interestingly, over the course of my career, I have been exposed to the not so wonderful side of beauty and sourcing. And, um, what I mean by that is that, you know, there have been all too many companies. It's been far too often that I have seen corners being cut. Um, and I would say, um, a lack of transparency when it came to ingredients and, and sourcing and what the consumer was led to believe. And so I wanted to do things differently. I wanted to make sure that, you know, at, if I was going to put out a product that I knew every single ingredient, where it came from, how it was sourced, um, what the quality level was, whether it was fair trade, um, every formula, you know, that I work with my formulators on, we put together extremely carefully. We get them EWG verified, which is the environmental working group to make sure that they you know, meet muster when it comes to safety and, um, you know, levels of uh, particular ingredients that are, um, you know, not necessarily acceptable from a quality standpoint. And so, you know, every single product, every single ingredient is carefully vetted so that I know that my final formula does what it says that it's going to do and delivers the ingredient levels that we promise. Um, yeah, I've, I've unfortunately seen a lot of situations where ingredients are left out. Seriously, you know, the, 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 the active ingredients that are supposed to be doing oh. the work, like peptides and things like that, where because of cost or because of timing, um, you know, companies would choose to manufacture and send out ingredients and send out formulas that didn't necessarily have everything that they said or on the flip side, what would happen is that they would have a third party manufacturer create it for them and they were not necessarily understanding what they were doing. They didn't have visibility to what the, the contract manufacturer was doing. And then lo and behold, after subsequent testing, you find that there's sulfates in the shampoos or there's, you know, parabens in the formula where they did not know they were not necessarily aware that these things were happening. And so. I just wanted to make sure that I was doing things much more methodically. I I have a great relationship with my suppliers. I drive them crazy yes, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> because I, I am so demanding and I require so much in terms of documentation and proof and, and all of that. But I believe that that's the right thing to do in order to make sure that we're delivering what we say to the final customer. 
And so I'm okay with doing things more slowly. I'm okay with doing things more, you know, more rigorously. Um, I'm not all about just churning and burning, uh, you know, products out there just to, to try to make a buck. Um, and so, um, that is the difference of an impact organization. It's the, the difference in the challenge that we all take on because we believe it's the right thing to Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's so important. Um, I know that we have a lot of people in our audience that are, you know, either really, you know, early stage social entrepreneurs or they're kind of in that space of figuring out like what product or service am I going to offer? So for someone in that position, as someone who's just gone through all of this in picking the product that you're going to develop and then developing it and then making sure that it is up to the quality standard that you want in order to have a, you know, phenomenal impact, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's just maybe in the baby, baby steps of that process? Yeah. Funnily enough, I always like to say, you know, I don't give advice. I just tell you what has worked Perfect. for me. And then if it resonates with you or if it speaks to you, then, then, you know, attaboy. But you know, there's, there's definitely inspiration to be gotten from all sorts of people who have kind of gone ahead of you. And so that you can, you know, kind of pick and choose what, what fits and, and works best for you. But for me, the thing that resonated best was that, you know, I really did this deep dive into the process of Ikigai. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what Ikigai is, but I was so intrigued about learning about Ikigai. Where it comes from is um, there, there was this fascination with what we call the blue zones of the earth. And those are the places where there's the highest concentration of centurions, people who live past 100. And so we look at how they're, you know, what their lifestyle is, what their joy is, how they're so happy, and they just live these prosperous lives way longer than, you know, some some other zones. And one of those blue zones happens to be Okinawa in Japan. And so there were a lot of studies done um, to find out what is it that they're doing that makes them so abundantly fulfilled. And they came up with this concept or they discovered that Okinawans live by the concept of ikigai, I-K-I-G-A-I. And ikigai is really the culmination of four different things. It's what you love, what the world needs, what you can make money at, and what you're good at. So those four things when you get to the center of it, form your ikigai. And so, you know, if you just go after what you love, then you may have a passion, but you might not necessarily be good at it, or you might not necessarily, um, the world might not necessarily need it. It's kind of like the starving artist. <laughs> um, and if you just do things that the world needs, but you don't really love it, then you might have a mission, but you might find that you're, you're burning out. If you're just going after the money, then you may feel a sense of depletion or that your spirit isn't like left, you know, feeling, feeling good. And if you're, you're going for things that you're not necessarily, you know, skilled at, then, um, you might feel a sense of imposter syndrome. So finding this balance throughout your life and getting to this place, it takes a lot of inward work to really get to that place where you can say, ah, oh, I've nailed it. This is really what I want to do. Once you find that, then you can discover all sorts of things unfolding before you. You can find the products that you align with. You can find the services that you align with. You can find the people that you align with. So everything comes very authentically from your center, not necessarily what you think other people might want from you. You know, they have their own guys, or they need to search for their own things, but it really does come from, I'm going to live my truth. I'm going to find out really who I am and what resonates with me and what I 
I want to pursue in my career. So I think that it all starts from there. Like I said before, I really think that it starts from that individual finding and diving deeply into what they love and what their passions are and what they feel that they can contribute to society. And then building that team, building step-by-step those communities and that support and and seeking from there what they want to go forth with. That's the beautiful thing of being an impact organization. I think that people are really profoundly moved by purpose-driven organizations and by mission-driven individuals because that helps you to excel and transcend the business as usual. And so I encourage everybody to kind of go through those steps and and do a little bit of work and research on Ikigai. It's kind of fun. That's awesome. Totally. It's a perfect starting point for anybody. I think Uh, even if you've already started, I think it's a great uh, exercise to go through and really just uh, check where you're at. So that's really cool. So I know that um, we're kind of wrapping up, but I do also know that you're a children's author. So real quick, could you tell us about your book, Super Captain Brave Man? And how did you get into that work? Is it related? Yes, it is. It is all part of my own journey. Um, I'm a mother single mom of a boy who lives with a very severe mitochondrial disorder, which essentially is a global energy deficiency. That renders him nonverbal and unmobile. He does need care um, 24-7. And during the, the process of, of coming out with like beauty products and then being faced with these health issues at home, it really caused me to think about, you know, wow, you know, not only did he inspire my journey in the beauty space, but he also taught me so many valuable lessons that I thought these lessons are really great and would be beneficial for kids to learn uh, in terms of how to be kind and loving and um, compassionate and considerate to kids that are not like them in terms of uh, abilities or neurological differences. And so The Ad- Adventures of Super Captain Brave Man was a children's book series inspired by my son. He's the protagonist in the book series. And what happens is he's in a wheelchair and he goes about his days and he comes across people or challenges or, or, or things that cause him to think, oh, you know, how could I help this person? And so when he goes into his dream state at night, he turns into Super Captain Brave Man. It's like his superhero alter ego and helps kids learn fun lessons about, you know, what Down syndrome is about and how it could help or what it's like to have autism and how to explain that to other kids and, and show kids love and, and that sort of thing. And so with each book, we pretty much take a, a specific ability or a challenge and um, help to enlighten kids and, and teach them all about those things in a fun, friendly way. And so, you know, this was something that sparked and and came to us as an idea um, because when my son was very young, we'd take him out to the park. He'd be in his wheelchair. He has a tracheostomy and kids would be scared. They would say to their parents, you know, what's wrong with that boy? What's, you know, what's going on? And the parents would feel like, almost embarrassed or a little bit mortified that the kids would be saying something. And so they would shush the kids and almost, you know, pull them away. And we thought this was just such a an opportunity for parents to be able to teach their kids and, and help them learn about somebody who's a little bit different with them. But a, a lot of it is just they don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They feel like it's awkward and they don't want to say the wrong thing. And so this was something that we thought would be um, 
a wonderful book series that could help bond parents and their kids to teach them something that they would ordinarily not really know how to teach them, as well as to go into schools and libraries and even, you know, therapy offices, um, hospitals, and really have these books as tools for adults and, and children to really have conversations about. And so with the books, you know, we love doing book readings at schools. We do lots of different uh, story times with virtuals and, and whatnot. And uh, we welcome anybody to get in touch with us if they are interested in the books or interested in a book reading. Very cool. That's so fantastic. Oh, that is so awesome. <laughs> um yeah, well, all of this has just been such a great and insightful conversation. And it's really fun to hear about both of these things, the, the work that you do and, and also the commonalities, you know, between them of just like, we all have something really special and unique to offer the world. And it's so important that we learn about each other as well and just increase that community aspect of our, of our humanness. And so I just think that's, that's really cool that you found a couple of different ways to um, bring that work into the world. So we've really, really enjoyed this conversation. Just as a last ending note, we want to give you the chance to pitch your stuff. So where could people find out more about Super Captain Brave Man and the human beauty movement as well as humanist beauty? Yeah, the human beauty movement, humanist beauty, and super captain brave man can easily be found just by their names. If you want to do a Google search on any of those terms, then you'll find us right away. Um, we also have a community, um, which you can find at the human beauty movement.com. And you can pretty much find us all over social media again using the human beauty movement, humanist beauty, or super captain brave man. I love it. I love how everything is, it, you know, everything really is a social enterprise. So that's, uh, really cool. It all ties together. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for being on today and uh, for being a new member of SEA and just kind of continuing to be an advocate for the impact space. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, David. Thank you, Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Jennifer. Bye.